the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Chinetti. It's an all NFL show after a couple of NBA runs. Uh, we'll get back to the NBA quickly. Keith Smith is diving deep into the offseason. Uh, Scott Allen's been building some excellent tools to manage rosters for this offseason. We're about to flip the switch on SpotTrack.com to 2023 NBA numbers. So we'll uh, unleash the hounds and let you guys play and build out these rosters for this offseason work. Uh, ASAP, probably within the next 48 to 72 hours. So Keith and Scott are doing their spots on that side of the game. It's uh, obviously the start of the baseball season. We've got payrolls finalized. Talked about that a little bit on the last show. But like I said, it's a good time to bring in Cousin Dan and uh, go through a six-pack of NFL questions, some from the past, some from the now, a couple for the future, but uh, all pretty relevant to the offseason of the NFL and what will be soon the heart of the 2023 NFL season. Let's bring in Cousin Dan. Dan, welcome. It's going to be a uh, as rapid fire as you and I can possibly do, which is uh, you know probably an hour and a half, but we're going to do our best to get through six questions. Like I said here in the open, some of this stuff already happened and we're kind of going to give our thoughts on it. Some of it is about to happen. It's like presently, you know, uh, pondering these situations. And then there's a couple of future questions that I don't know, I think are relevant to a bunch of the the ways that the uh, some of these notable contending teams are still constructing their rosters even before the draft. So um, let's start at the top. It's a couple of quarterback questions for you. Let's start with the Seattle Seahawks, Dan. They were nine and eight last year, surprisingly. Second, second in the NFC West. Got their asses kicked by the 49ers in the in the postseason, which, you know, that might be a part of this conversation here a little bit. They have five top 100 picks, thanks to Russell, Russell Wilson, including the number five overall pick in this upcoming draft. Here's the question. You can take it any direction you want. Simply put, Dan, would you have paid Geno Smith this offseason? Yeah, I think in short, I I'm I would answer this yes. Um, okay. I have a couple like things that we should probably lay out before I commit to that, though. Um, I mean, primarily at number five, like, what's your consensus? Is a guy that we could perceive as their quote their quarterback yeah. going to be there, or are they almost certainly going to have to move up to get? Yeah, I love this question. Can you establish that at least for me? I love this question. I I am not quite um, in the news cycle as much as I typically would be at this time of year. So um, whatever, if you can lay some of this out, you know, foundation for me. Fantasy baseball's got you uh, consumed (laughs) right now. I get it. Um, Look, I framed the question this way on purpose because I was hoping to get to this conversation. Um. If I had to guess, Dan, and by the way, this is going to be one of the questions in our six-pack, right? That This number three pick with Arizona. If I had to guess, I don't think Seattle's the team to move up. I think they, they, they are operating in house money. They know they're operating in house money with this number five pick. And they're simply going to say to themselves, if something happens, and for some unforsaken reason, Anthony Richardson drops to five, we're going to snag him. And if not, we're going to stay the course, probably trade out of five and still get the defensive player that we've been thinking about for 18 months, right? Even before the Russell trade, the unbelievable payback, right? everything that kind of went in their favor, They're, everything has gone correct for them. I don't know why they would change course now. 
to move up, move on some of that draft capital. But I'm, I'm saying all this, Dan, thinking they're not great right now. And I think there are people out there that believe this team can be an NFC contender. Are you one of those people? And, and don't even think about it right now in a vacuum. Think about it after the draft and after this offseason essentially is complete. The 2023 version of the Seahawks, are they going to be contenders? I mean, division contenders, maybe uh, like Super Bowl contenders. I still think they have quite a long way to go still, which I, I think most people would would agree with that. Um, when you lay it out like that, I, I'm I'm fine with them not, you know, taking a quarterback, just kind of staying the course, waiting another year if if needed. I mean, if they stay at, if they stay at five and three quarterbacks go ahead of them, in theory, you're getting this second player, second non quarterback on your board. If you want to trade down, you're you know maybe maybe he you're in prime territory to trade up next year um mm -hmm. once you can get out of the geno smith contract right right maybe lay that out too like th this is pretty much a one it could be a one-year deal for geno smith right so like if um let's say by the grace of god number five anthony richardson did fall into their hands who like some might think is uh you know needs a little bit of time um to groom behind a starter uh like with it really that it does seem like a great fit by the way those two it seems right, like a perfect matchup which is so intriguing, but I, I agree with you that they shouldn't, they, they would probably need to move up to make that happen and that they shouldn't move up to, to make that happen. But if he is the best quarterback in the draft class franchise yeah. piece, who knows? I mean, we're, it's hard for us to sit here and say that it's, that's not a move you should do, but um, yeah. So I guess to answer your question, I'm, I, I like that they paid him and um, can just kind of use this year as like a purgatory year where, um, if he takes another step forward, then you're in a really good spot for 2024. Um, if he doesn't take a step forward or regresses, you have a pretty easy, um, natural excuse to get out of this, um, after 2023 and you just, you know, your 2023 draft, uh, a bunch of high picks. Maybe if you trade that number five, if you trade down from number five, you gain more for 2024. So they could, they could really, I, I think we talked about this in, on a prior episode. Mm -hmm. They almost have house money. Like they, they're, they have so much, they bought so much um, leash with like the success of Geno Smith last year. And now all these picks that they have from, you know, the, 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 yeah their trades that they've made and everything. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm on that side at least. <clears throat> I'm with you. There's a uh, the, the the plan you just laid out, Dan, is the hardest one, right? The hardest one is they don't take a quarterback this year. And by the way, doesn't have to be five, right? They could take a third rounder and, and try to make this thing all work from the backside forward, like they've done before, obviously. So there's a chance that they're taking a quarterback somewhere. I think we're just focused on are they going to try to get one of these top three or four guys and. You know, I, I don't believe they should because let me let me ask you this question. It's another Geno Smith question, which is the focus of this initial discussion. Do you believe that there's a world where he falls back off this cliff? Or do you think that the, the, the 18 weeks we just saw him with this Seattle offense, with this Seattle organization, with this offensive coordinator, even if there's a bit of a regression, it's going to be enough to hold the fork down? Mm, well 
or could it be an absolute disaster? I guess is an easier way to say. I mean, I expect I first and foremost, I expect regression. I don't expect a cliff. I do think it's within the realm of possibility because we've seen it before, but I think we have enough proof to at least lean that that was more of the jets and the atmosphere around him of why he was so poor in New York. Um, and that he's at least probably somewhere in the middle of uh, what we saw prior um, in, in last year. So um, I don't think he falls off a cliff. I expect regression. Um, but I, the way they, the way they operated that offense last year was pretty sustainable in my opinion. I mean, they came out of the gates uh, firing and they, they didn't change anything. It's not like they, you know, three, four weeks, things faded off and they had to reconsider. They operated pretty much the same uh, most of the season last year. So I I I think it is sustainable again. It's sustainable because it's built to account for flaws. Is that fair? And and isn't that fair now in hindsight with Russell, knowing what we know now maybe about Russell Wilson a little bit more at least, that that there's a little bit of genius to what Pete Carroll has done here? And, and he has developed with now a few offensive coordinators. So there's clearly something from the top trickling down in this organization. But I, I feel like the, the A number one goal of this Seattle offense is to protect Geno Smith, not to let him cook, which, right, which is the buzzword out of Seattle now. He doesn't really need to do that much. It's a bit of a Garoppolo situation, in my opinion. And this offense hasn't changed. There's what? They lost Rashad Penny. They've already got the running back of the future on this roster if he can stay healthy in Kenneth Walker Jr. So I, I don't even know that I don't even know that the the offense around him has lost a, a beat, if not should be better because of more experience. So I guess where I'm going with this, Dan, is isn't it more likely Geno Smith gets at least two years out of this contract, regardless of what happens with the rookie pick? Because are you going to throw a rookie into this fire, into a good roster, a, a good, a, a, an improving defense, and that's only going to change with these top 100 picks I talked about, um, and an offense that we th- both think is sustainable, and I think that's the right word. Don't you think that it would be incorrect to try to roll back the quarterback position right now? Yeah, I. I this will kind of lead into our next question, but yeah. I think our that's right. You know, overwhelming. Um, theory is once you have a quarterback, any semblance of a quarterback. I mean, I know like the whole Andy Dalton thing with the Bengals for years, like, do you really want this low ceiling guy and make the playoffs every year? There's a ton of value in that, right? I I understand like everyone's searching for that elite quarterback, but in the current landscape in the league, I think if you have anything near a quarterback, you should at least, um, you know, not pull the carpet out from under that, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I'm fine with the giant, uh, sorry, um, with mm-hmm. the, with the Seahawks playing this out. I, I really, they, they can, they can, they have afforded themselves the ability to let it play out. Also, Absolutely. they don't, they don't have to decide right now. They can see what happens this year and, and move forward based on that. So yeah, enough said okay. for me on that. <clears throat> yeah. You, you, uh, you buried the lead, but it makes total sense. Was Daniel Jones too good of a quarterback to not pay or were the Giants too good of a team to not pay Daniel Jones? Um, but I think both can be true in this situation. Um, and this is another one where like the Giants, if they wanted to move on from Daniel 
Daniel Jones. I think I think there is a large contingent that would have supported that and said they're fine. Go ahead, move on from him. But where do you go from there? We, we've talked about who was, mm-hmm. who are you going to go get? The options were very slim. So I, from that perspective, the Giants were were good enough last year. Um, if they add some pieces, you know, a full off season of this new regime. Um, I think that they think that there's some more ceiling there to, left to, to see um, if, you know, from both sides, the team and maybe Daniel Jones is a little, you know, has a little bit, bit more uh, success to have there. In okay. York, so this so. is a two-parter thing. Cause I, I framed it differently than I was, when I was planning on it, but would you have extended Daniel Jones or do you think the, the franchise tag in 2023 was actually the smarter move here for New York? Well, do you need the numbers? Will that will that help? I I guess. Yeah, it's four for one sixty. It's two for eighty one and change. There's some workout bonuses. There's some incentives built into it. Um, there's some injury guarantees in twenty twenty five. But for the most part, let's call this thing two for eighty two. So that's not nothing, right? That's almost double what Geno Smith got. Yeah. So. This one is tough. I guess I ultimately land on would one more year of the same Daniel Jones really push me in one direction or another. Right. So that's where I, I I'm kind of on board. Like, let's see, you know, Joe Shane was, was with Brandon Bean in Buffalo when they tore it down, they, they bit the bullet and had one or two really bad years of, of cap, um, you know, dead cap money from Marcel Darius, et cetera, trades that were made. I feel like the Giants are, you know, are sort of cleaning, doing, you know, they're going through that right now as well, um, which will set them up for multiple years on the other side of this, right? Um, So that being said, I think what they are building is, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but what they're building, I think, is sustain could be sustainable for more than one year. That you would want to keep a quarterback in the fold, unless you really think you can upgrade. But yeah, again, you know, even beyond this year, what's going to be available next year for for them to just kind of um, mm-hmm. plug and play into this offense? If they have another successful year, it's going to be even harder for them to get away from Daniel Jones. I, I is that. If that makes sense, or <laughs> I think you're going back to the initial question, which was the Giants are just too damn good right now not to give this guy at least a shot for two to three years. Because you're right, the the contracts that they have under uh, you know on the books right now and the ones they're about to put on there, right, Dexter Lawrence, a couple more, maybe even Leonard Williams on a redo. The, this is a three to four year guarantee situation. It's not one and done. They're not most of the one and dones were already off the roster before this regime got there, and or are now off the roster via the trade deadline, via the offseason, et cetera. So I think 85% of this purge that you mentioned, which is accurate, is done. Um, I, In my opinion, they ended up bringing back maybe 5 or 10% of it they weren't expecting to because of what happened last offseason. And by the way, 9-7-1, and one, beat the hell out of a weird Minnesota team and then you know got shelled by Philadelphia in the divisional round. There's a phenomenal chance this team is not a real deal right there's a phenomenal chance that there's a hell of a lot left to be left to be made here and left to be built here and daniel jones is just going to be a product of that and and he may be part of that uh, you know conversation as well 
let's ask one more hot take question, right? This is like our first take, se- first take segment. Is Daniel Jones going to be Blake Bortles or Kirk Cousins? Because both have gone through this process almost exactly. More so Bortles, right? Bortles yeah, had I- that weird freaking playoff run on an expiring contract and, and afforded himself a $64 million extension and then blew up. I still think Daniel Jones has shown some promise. Um, I guess I believe in, you know, the front office, the coaching staff there. Maybe that's a little bit of this more than I do with like, if we're making a one, one for one comparison with um, Blake Bortles in the, in the Jaguars. But um, yeah, I I think Jones is going to be more like towards cousins from a career perspective, not like, particularly a playing style perspective but um yeah i I think there's i think the giants are i think the giants have a very high floor let me put it that way i i don't think they're just brian dable they're not just gonna let this thing fall off the rails i i don't think and if it starts to fall off the rails they'll get it back on, on whether that's with or without daniel jones they'll move on if they need to so um i think you're right yeah yeah they've got they've got an edge defender they've got a left tackle They've got a cornerback now. They've got funky weapons that, that are going to work, you know, in Dayball's genius system. And I think they've got an above average quarterback. And I'm not sure you need much more than that right now, at least to get the, the wheels churning a little bit. So uh, I'm with you. And by the way, Kirk, not so much Kirk Cousins playing style, but above average, but not elite. Right. That's sort of exact, the, exactly. that's sort of the tier I was placing potential Daniel Jones in. So I'm, I'm going to vote on that side and agree with you as well. All right, let's move on to wide receivers. Got a couple of questions in that regard. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. asked for $15 million a year, got $15 million for one year, fully guaranteed. And uh, I was able to, to uh, get a look at the incentive package today. It's pretty attainable. There's a pretty good chance he's making between 2 to $3 million of the, uh, more of this at the end of the day if he's healthy and if, you know, Lamar Jackson's his quarterback, I guess. Um. One for 15 plus 3 million of incentives is a risky overpay, a worthy overpay, a slam dunk signing, or this is overhyped. This really doesn't move the needle too much for Baltimore anyway. Where are you on this? I think it's being overblown personally. (laughs) I'm totally willing to not be right on that, but I mean, like, because this he's not a number one, because he's just not going to move the needle for this team that much. I mean, is he healthy? Is he yeah. motivated? Does yeah. he care? Like, I really don't know. There's a ton. I have way more questions than I than I do answers with this signing, in my opinion. Um, the number, I mean, I understand uh, he didn't want to play for less than, you know, X amount. Yep. It seems like a lot of money to me for a guy that, like I just laid out, has a bunch of questions attached to him who said, I don't even want to play in regular season games. I mean, like, it's all very puzzling to me. Um, it, it more, it, it, it's more of a signal to me that they were just trying to like shut the Lamar needs a, a, a wide receiver weapon up crowd. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Am I way off? I was, I was I, in that crowd. I'm in that crowd. If you want to keep Lamar Jackson, you had to do something like this, in okay. my opinion. Okay. And I get that. But does this guy, like, is this, 
is he going to be an impact player and do, and is he going to make enough of an impact? If he is, is it enough of an impact for him to really, I, I man, I don't know. Dude. It, I just don't think he is it childish Dan, to ask if the impact doesn't have to come on the football field. I, I guess I'm not. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not, like, not exactly. Just having this guy on the roster, just having this guy as a Baltimore Raven, the symbol of having this player who is for all intents is the best available or most, I, I, if the, it's a popularity the, confet, contest, right? And, and we look at it just that alone. They've won the fan contest, Baltimore, something they've never done in free agency. Never, trust me, never, but they've done it with this position, a position that they have, I know you've got, there's names on this roster and there's names that have come through here that you've loved from a fantasy perspective or from a high ceiling perspective for one reason or another, they can't get it right. Right. They can't find a sustainable player. And when they get one like Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, they refuse to pay him and trade him before he even asked for the contract. So in in my opinion, they've, they have old school, botched this position specifically for a long time. And this is them saying, okay, we give in. We're going to do something that everybody wants us to do just to do it. And it's going to look gaudy and look awful. And it's going to be like, you know, bringing in the prom King. And maybe that moves our quarterback back on a, on a one-year tag. Maybe it doesn't, but at least we did it. I, what else could this be? Cause you're right. There's like a, there's like a 56% chance that he paid, he plays six weeks from a health yeah. perspective. Right. Yeah, that that's I guess what I'm maybe I didn't say this clearly or if I did I'm just going to repeat myself. It feels to me like this was done yeah. to to give him a semblance of a weapon. I am on the side of the fence where I don't think he's of impact player at this point in his career. Okay. What somebody else could argue against that, I get that. All I'm saying is I think they brought him in to to like be the scapegoat excuse for we gave Lamar we a weapon. It we tried. We tried. It yes. didn't work. We tried. But did you try? I you laying that out. I would rather you just trade a third and a fourth for DeAndre Hopkins and bring in that type of player, a proven guy who had who still. Um, I mean, maybe like the PED stuff. They don't want to get involved with that. Whatever. But I I guess I'm just saying from like a respected. Um, proven veteran. I mean, like Odell Beckham hasn't really been an impact player in like, uh, like, is it four years, five years? I mean, yeah, I, I know he won I mean, a Super Bowl two years ago, but that was. And he was an impact for that Rams roster in in his own role, but you know, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup ain't on the other side of that field running routes. Right. right? I'm saying, yeah, I guess I'm saying over <laughs> the course of a full season. I yeah. mean we haven't seen it since even before the Cleveland days. So I'm just skeptical that this is the guy that comes in and works out when they've had so many wide receiver issues, as you just laid out, like they haven't been able to get it right before. What makes me think they're going to get it right with this guy this time. I just, I don't know, man. I I get if people love it. I, I, it doesn't, doesn't move the ticker for me that much. So I don't know how this is any different than bringing in Sammy Watkins last year, except for you paid Sammy Watkins 2 million and this is 15 million. Exactly. That's my point. That is my point. Is it, aren't they the same player right now, essentially? And you could pick, you could pick a half dozen other guys, just the same. Like I, I would just be like, sure. It's they're try They tried to give him a weapon. Is this guy, yeah. any, 
is Odell Beckham Jr. at this stage of his career any better than a half dozen other guys you could have picked and in, in plugged into the same scenario? So, Who has more catches for the Baltimore Ravens this year, Nelson Aguilar or Odell Beckham Jr.? Oh, I don't even want to go on the record. Yeah, you can punt. You can punt. You can punt. <laughs> Next question. Let's stick with wide receivers. Uh, you kind of alluded to it, but I've got a lot more names to bring into this conversation. Of the names I'm about to list off here, Dan, who has the best chance of being traded before or during this NFL draft? I really do think there's possibly one or two of these names off the board uh, in an A.J. Brown type move. You know what I mean? A couple of Denver Broncos, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, they've been rumored. I think one of them, if for real, are going to get out of there. I think they have to clear some cash and uh, and that's a good way to do it. You mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. I, I think it's trending more towards an outright release with him at this point, but uh, certainly he's on the trade block still. I've got Mike Evans on this list. It's not a good financial move for Tampa Bay from a cap perspective, but again, I think that's a team that's looking to shed some cash as they begin to tear things down post Tom Brady. It can't all happen right now, but it will next offseason. So why not start right now with an expiring wide receiver contract? Allen Robinson's been rumored. I think they find a suitor for him, even though it's ugly from a cap perspective. I think Corey Davis is going to be in this Aaron Rodgers trade at the end of the day, so maybe I'm cheating on that one. And I still think Tyler Boyd is a name. I know Cincinnati's trying to keep everybody and every they can right now to make that contention run, but there are just too many mouths to feed in the next 6 to 12 to 18 months there with T. Higgins, with Jamar Chase, certainly with Joe Burrow, and a couple more defensive players as well. So uh, of that list... And if you want to just go name by name and say yes or no, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't think so. That's fine. But um, do you see a, a sizable move with one of these names here in the next couple of weeks? I'm on board with you with one of the Denver guys move. I just think it's okay. probably good business at this point. I feel uh, at least the smoke I've seen is more towards Cortland Sutton moving than Jared Judy. I could be wrong on that though. Um, Which is funny, right? I think, yeah. better, I think he's the better wide receiver and he's already been paid. He's already, they've already paid him the bonus. So maybe it's because you can get more for him. Is that probably why, why that's the, uh, the feeling? I guess I don't have the specifics. Maybe it's just a personality thing in there. Like people just get the mm. sense that he, he's on his way out more than Judy, but um, I guess I'm not sure. So maybe I shouldn't speak too much on that, but Hopkins. Yeah. I, I guess I just said tr- trade. It does sound more release territory at this point um yeah man that what's tampa gonna do here because you have a couple really nice pieces but your roster as a whole is a tire fire so um yeah are like, you looking to put the best field available for you know the best offense out there available for baker mayfield really is that you know is that the play yeah here? or are you ju- just gonna start the rebuild today which is probably what they should do Right. And then if you do start to rebuild though, are those just straight salary dumps, Mike? Like is is Mike Evans is Chris Godwin. Are those just straight salary dumps or are you actually getting, um, can can they maneuver this in a way that they get some asset, some valuable asset back in return? Do you know what I mean? Oh, I guess that's why I'm saying Evans, he's an expiring contract. He's going to want a new contract. You can, you can finagle that with with another team to leverage some sort of draft compensation. Do you, are you saying it, it, let me put it this way right now, knowing that both players need contracts, does Hopkins or Mike Evans get you more back right now? I think it is. I I'm, I'm going to waffle on this. I think it, 
is the highest bidder who needs they're very different players yeah. is what I mean. One's an outside receiver. One is a, is a slot guy. If a team feels that Chris Godwin, a slot guy puts them over the top, I think um, he commands more than Mike Evans. I could easily see that being flipped though. If a team thinks they really need that outside number one receiver, but like if the Buffalo bills feel like that, Chris Godwin is the guy that makes them a super bowl contender. Um, like I could see somebody like that blowing, you know, giving up uh, a lot of capital to, to bring that player in. So um, are you, is age the concern for you with, with Evans and Hopkins? I mean, of the, of the names I listed off here, who, who brings back the biggest bag, Dan, is it Sutton? I mean, in a vac. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're taking age into consideration, I would have to assume Cortland Sutton. I mean, Straight skills, though. I mean, I, I, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins are still elite receivers, in my opinion. They're just on the wrong side of 30. They're making a lot of money. I, I, like, yeah. their team is in a situation where they're ready to move on. You know, it's more about the team mm-hmm. atmosphere that they're on, the team that they're on and the atmosphere that they're in than really the, this, this, you know, anything about the player. Those players are still elite, in my opinion. So, um, okay. Yeah, Allen Robinson, man, that he I, I was big on him, Lan. I, I was pretty heavily invested. He looked shot. Um shot. yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there's like a little bit more juice to squeeze on that, but I don't know. Corey Davis, I agree, probably in a Aaron Rodgers trade. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, Tyler Boyd, I guess at some point that just maybe there's too many guys in the room and they have to move on. And, uh, you know, everybody's, you know, maybe that somebody looks and needs a, a slot guy. It seems like he was, point, he was but... being replaced on the field at the end of the season last year. So I thought for sure he was going to be in that bubble conversation and he just hasn't been. So, uh, that's sort of me throwing darts at that one. It's a, it's a name I think could be out there. Uh, might be the surprise draft move that we get kind of every couple of years, but, uh, I wanted to get this conversation out there. Cause I do think this wide receiver position is going to move. Uh, if not in the next week or so, right at the draft. We've seen it now a couple of years in a row. All right, we talked about the number three pick and the Cardinals sitting there in a non-quarterback situation. They are certainly the the hot pick, the hot topic right now of this NFL draft. I, I think we can both agree without having to con- you know converse that this is going to get traded, right? They're going to get the hell out of number three. It's just how far how far back do they go? It seems, I, I would think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Give me a couple teams here, Dan. I, I know who the uh, the big contenders are. Who do you want to see up there at number three for what what is considered to be a you know top three or four quarterback here? Which team deserves to get this quarterback right now? Um, huh. <laughs> do any of them? Uh, no. I, <laughs> the Seattle thing we already laid out. I do think that is very intriguing. Um, mm-hmm. I would kind not from like a. If, from an excitement standpoint, I would like to see that happen specifically from like a roster construction. Do I think it's the smartest move? Not, nece- not necessarily. Um, I think Atlanta is kind of intriguing. Um, like I, I thought that they would be a player in the Lamar sweepstakes or mm-hmm. lack thereof. Um, but nothing, I still don't think, I think they need to upgrade there pretty quickly still. So yeah. That's been a guy, huh? not not quite so i don't know is there somebody you're eyeing up here i'm not is uh i'm probably um, not 
is well equipped to answer this one. So before I give my name, my teams, are the Cardinals going to trade this before the draft? Or do they have to sit there and let the first two picks happen? And the reason I say that is I'm not sure we're going to know who's going one or two. You know, what, what if, what if Anthony Richardson's stock raises so much that he slides into one of those two spots and Bryce Young falls to three? So you know is that, that's, that's the question is if, you, is if Richardson goes in the top two picks, right? That's right. I would think, I guess Will Levis can get there or this Hayden Hooker kid. There's a lot of conversation. I just don't listen to any of it this time of year, but that would seem like that would seem like asset mismanagement to me, though, if you take Will Levis in the top two picks. But, but let's not even think about that side of it. Think about it from Arizona's standpoint. Do you think that there will be a better offer as the number three pick is on the clock because of what could happen in front of them? Or do you think they have to just bite the bullet and take an offer prior to the draft so they know they have something in place? I actually like this question. The ceiling, the optimal ceiling is probably to wait until the draft, be hoping that one of those guys falls. Otherwise, any team trading into that pick is just hoping for Richardson. Now, maybe Richardson's the top guy on their board and they wouldn't care at that point. But um, if there is so much unknown at the top of the draft, I think that that team might want to know who's there. Unless it's just teams have those guys one, two, you know, quarterback needy teams have those guys one, two, three, no matter what, then I guess it wouldn't come into play as much. But um, I think the ceiling, the ceiling opportunity is if one of those two drop. Yeah. That's Beyond the top two picks. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, I, I do think that happens too. I, I think this, this should wait until actual draft pick number three pick is on the clock. Let's see how it falls and we'll go from there. Do you, I guess before we keep going, is there any chance that number one or two are traded in your opinion right now? Mm, I don't think so, but I I don't think so either. I mean, the, the content producer in me wants this number one pick to be flipped again, but I don't think, I just don't think Carolina is getting there. Right. Right. I don't. Okay. Uh, I'll stick with you on the Falcons. I I think the team that does it is Indy (laughs) because (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's such an indie thing to do. I don't think that roster is near ready for this move right now. That's my opinion. They're th- they're trying to trade their starting center. They're trying to trade a guard. It seems like there's a lot of disarray, a lot of disarray. Now, I like the coach. I think there's some promise there. So this could be a giant situation where if they just hit right and the scheme starts to fit and they really figure some shit out, that it looks a lot better than maybe I think it's going to right now. But if you're at four, and it's real close between whatever three would be and whatever four is going to be. You just stay. You just stay the course, in my opinion. Now, I, I'm sure that's hypocritical based on things I've said with just go get your quarterback. But if you're not getting one of these top two guys, I'm not sure you're doing yourself justice anyway. So what I want to happen is Atlanta. What I think is going to happen is Indy. That's how I'm going to answer this question. Hmm. Um, I, want, I, want, I want to ask you one more on this before we move on to the final. Is Tennessee going to do anything, in your opinion, with the quarterback position? Or is this just Ryan Tannehill's last year and that's how it's going to be? I, I, I've, I really heard, I've heard their name be tossed into, really stealthily tossed into some conversations. And I thought to myself, why not? 
Like, why aren't they doing whatever I just read? You know what I mean? And it's been a bunch. It's been trade up. It's been Lamar. It's been a bunch. But I, why would they just kind of let things ride out right now when they do have four to five core pieces and now under contract too? It's not like they're you know going to be the worst team in football without Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Do you think that they're at least considering some sort of just absolute blockbuster move here? Oh, man. I personally don't, and I think it would be pretty stupid. Um, okay. Not that they don't need to. I guess what I'm saying is uh, this is sort of another, like, built-in, punted-off year. If you want to run it with Tannehill, go ahead. If Can I, can if I counter? Can I counter? I, they, they kept Vrabel, which I like, but he's here still after a really, really messed-up season or two, and it's a brand-new GM. That's usually the proper ingredient, like coach that could be on the bubble, brand new GM who's got to make a name for himself. That's usually the recipe for shockwave. So is that shockwave going to be at the quarterback position or is it going to be somewhere else? All right. I am in the camp. If they move on from Vrabel, they are, they are very stupid. And I think the new new GM should know that. So that aside, I'm just going to move on with my point with that assumption out there. Gotcha. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is Tannehill, you can run it back with him. If he falters, you go to your pick last year, who was Mm -hmm. by most accounts, terrible Malik Willis. If he's also terrible, then you have the net, then your team is probably terrible the entire year. You have a natural, you have a natural reason to go with the new quarterback, new direction in 2024 with a likely very high pick, I would think. So I guess that's where my thinking is like, it would be such a stretch in my opinion for them to get all the way up into a spot where they could grab one of those three quarterbacks that I think it it's a little bit safer for them to just kind of play out 2023. Um, But if I know exactly what you mean, if it's coach on hot seat, people start to make kind of goofy moves, but um, yeah, I, I, maybe, I I guess, I I guess I think I Vrabel and uh, the new GM will just be on, get aligned here at some point like contractually whether that's Tennessee extending Vrabel or a new contract altogether whatever it might be but um so what I'm if I'm listening to you correctly I'm hearing bet the under on Tennessee <laughs> well yeah but we've said that how many years and right. we're uh... <laughs> but, but essentially what you're saying is this is a Caleb Williams situation Drake May yeah I mean do you think their roster is good no, enough I don't I, I, mean, I love it I think this is the answer we should both be giving right now. This is exactly what Tennessee needs to be doing. Because I think you can, you can sign the players that they've signed, right? Who are going to, they're going to be impact players, but not enough to impact wins, right? They're not, they're not going to win ball games. The Jeffrey Simmons of the world, they're going to do their jobs. And now they're going to be paid handsomely to do it. But, and even Derek Henry, right? Derek Henry is not going to win three ball games for this team on his own. It's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? And they don't have a wide receiver set. They don't. They just don't have it. Nor should they if they're trying to do what they're what you think they're doing. So I love it. I think they're in the Caleb Williams conversation here. And by the way, they you, you referenced the AJ Brown move last year. They got yeah. Traylon Burks. I think they want to see Traylon Burks with a, a quarterback, probably like Ryan Tannehill over Malik Willis. So um, that's sort of coming into play too here. Like they have a lot 
um, invested mm. in that asset there. I think they're going to be motivated to kind of at least prove themselves somewhat right there. Um, and, and Malik Willis just may, maybe he turns into something. He just did not look the part last year. So I, I'm not going to give him a lot of credit there. So seven and a half is the over under on wins for Tennessee. You just made me look it up on April 12th. April 12th, Dan, I had to look it up. I'm taking, I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under. Last question. Saquon Barkley, we're going back to the Giants. I did a piece today on his next contract situation because, shocker, he's not signing his franchise tag right now, doesn't want to play on that one-year $10 million tender, wants a long-term contract. Does he deserve it, and should the Giants do it? From player advocacy uh point of view as we always takes uh mm-hmm. yeah i think he deserves an extension uh he he's the whole focus of this offense um you know and i think daniel jones i i think this offense would look drastically different without him um even even uh, with mm-hmm. all of the nice things we said previously about daniel jones so um i think he deserves it from a roster building standpoint i think it is an interesting point for the giants to just go on the franchise tag or be encouraged to do that and see what they can make of this this year. And then um, like use Barkley as, you know, we laid out the whole one, the whole one year thing with the Seahawks. Um, They maybe the giants could do the whole one year thing, except with Barkley and, uh, and kind of move forward with Daniel Jones. I don't know if that, if that's clear or not, but it is, it is. And I, you know, he's, he's had a full year under this new regime. I think he knows the offense. He certainly knows he's got the chemistry with Daniel Jones and, and the, some of these offensive linemen. I think he can hold out all summer, right? Yeah. And, and sign the thing at the last second and go from there. I put together a projection of a four-year contract with slightly like $2 million more guaranteed than what two franchise tags would offer him. It's $10 million this year. It'd be $12.5 million next year. So if we're talking $22 million uh, fully guaranteed for this year and next year on franchise tags, my four-year contract had $24 million fully guaranteed with a ton of incentives, a lot like OBJ's, actually. A ton of incentives built into it. You know, all pro, pro bowl incentives, yards from scrimmage incentives, per-game roster bonuses. You know Joe Shane's doing that from his time in Buffalo. He, you know, that's just going to carry over. So there's a lot of ways to protect yourself with a multi-year extension, and you're getting yourself some cap flexibility. That's obviously the reason to extend him. Um, the only other thing I would say, Dan, is this. The conversation we had with Daniel Jones, I thought was was poised. Whereas we're not calling it a bridge situation, but that's sort of what it is, right? It's a really expensive bridge situation. We're gonna give you two years. We think we can figure this thing out by then and and really go from there. And if it works out, we've already got you for four years, Daniel Jones. So we're we're happy. Why wouldn't you give Saquon Barkley that same that same vote of confidence? Because he's a running back. Why wouldn't you just um, align align the guarantee and align the timeline with Daniel Jones if you're Saquon Barkley? Yeah, because the replacement value, I think, is yeah. Um, yeah. it's much harder to find the quarterback, which is to the point that we were making earlier. Um, yeah. I have a ton of respect for Barkley as a running back and what he brings to that offense, but if they needed to, they could move on from him and find something of similar value out there. Um on the open market where you can't do that with quarterback as we've seen. So. Okay. Let's end on that extremely negative note then. Good stuff. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Yeah.